From KALW in San Francisco, this is Bread and Circus. Do you ever get the impression that the media doesn't take life very seriously? You've probably heard the saying, gotta kiss a few frogs before you find your prince, right? Ladies, you're wearing the wrong bra. Because thousands of cucumbers slid all over the highway. Were there any stars in danger? So you want to get a beer without ever getting off the couch, my friends? We're talking about Twinkies. We're here to take you beyond that bread and circus and serve up news that matters. I'm Holly Kernan. California has joined a national trend to reform what's called youth correctional services. Other states, including Missouri, New Mexico, Oregon, and Illinois, have moved away from large state-run youth prison systems, opting instead for smaller, locally-based treatment facilities. California took an official step toward regionalizing its own juvenile justice system this summer with the passage of SB 81. That's a bill that reduces the number of offenses punishable by incarceration in a state youth prison. That means more kids convicted of crimes will end up in the custody of local authorities. Those authorities will also get more money from the state to handle that increased caseload, but the bigger caseload also means more work. Joshua Emerson-Smith reports from Alameda County, an area expected to be significantly affected by this new legislation. Jaquin Scales was born in 1982 to a mother struggling with drug addiction and a father he never knew. At age two, Scales was placed in foster care. And by the time he was eight, both of his parents had passed away. I was bounced around maybe about eight homes throughout my whole um, existence in the foster care system. And I was abused a lot. I was molested. Um, I was physically beaten. Um, some homes I was even deprived of food. When Scales was 14, he was arrested for assaulting another boy at a foster home. His case was dismissed, but the next year a new district attorney reopened the case and transferred Scales to a group home that specialized in anger management. There, Scales was arrested for fighting again and served time at Juvenile Hall. Eventually, he returned to the group home, but soon after he was arrested again, this time for threatening one of the staff members. Scales was then sentenced to a year and a half in the state youth prison system, formerly known as the California Youth Authority, or CYA. Yeah, initially I only had 18 months to do, but I ended up doing four years because I was catching time. The people there felt as though I wasn't ready to be released into society because I wasn't getting along with staff or my peers in YA or anything. When Scales was finally released in 2003, he was 21 years old. He says he had no job training and he had received no psychological treatment. I didn't really deal with a lot of issues that got me there. You know, I had a lot of pain because I lost, I lost both parents at a very early age. And so it's like I never got a chance to deal with that. Scales says that the system didn't prepare him for life as an adult. And going to CYA, Scales says, made it even harder. This is just the sort of situation lawmakers in California are trying to avoid. Under a new law, judges can only send youth to CYA who have committed very serious crimes like murder, rape, kidnapping, or robbery. At the same time, California is providing a one-time subsidy of $100 million for local authorities to build new facilities and create treatment programs. In large part, this is a reaction to the failings of the California Youth Authority. Approximately 75% of inmates released from CYA find themselves back behind bars. And this extremely high recidivism rate is only part of the story. So I did an investigation in, 19, in 2003 uh, of the California Youth Authority. That's Barry Crisberg. He's the president of the National Council on Crime and Delinquency. 
a nonprofit based out of Oakland. I found kids in cages. I found kids uh, who were in solitary confinement for months on end. I found uh, educational programs that had broken down, lots of bad practices, lots of illegal practices. He says that virtually all of the kids in the state prison system come from low-income families. If my kid gets arrested, I'm going to come into the police station, maybe then the court, and I'm going to have private insurance. I'm going to be able to say, well, if you, instead of locking up my, my son, I'll get him into a drug treatment program, or I've got this counseling program, or there's this private boot camp I'm willing to pay for. And more often than not, the system will be happy if the parents are willing to pay for those kind of services. So what you get is this, the, the juvenile justice system becomes the default for the families that can't afford this. However, Chris Berg says, over the last decade, judges in California have become reluctant to send kids to CYA, period. At its peak in the late 90s, over 10,000 kids were locked up in the state system. Today, the state incarcerates less than 3,000 youth. Now lawmakers aim to shrink CYA's population even further. Under this new legislation, half of all the kids incarcerated by the state will return to their home counties over the next two years. I mean, if you, if you ask yourself the question, what does it take for somebody to succeed on the outside? Uh, they need a safe place to live. They need a job. They might need to get back to school. They're going to need access to health care, drug treatment services, etc. All of that happens at the local level. All of the people who control those services or those opportunities are local people. At Rusdale, a small continuation high school in East Oakland, a rowdy group of students is hanging out in between classes. Eric Akiyama makes his way through the crowd. Akiyama's a probation officer for Alameda County. Today, he's looking for a teenage boy on probation who doesn't seem to have made it to school. His last teacher said he wasn't in class, but he may be in the cafeteria taking a test. Um, I didn't see him. Yeah, he probably isn't here today. I'll come back. Okay. You were who? Eric. I'm his probation officer. Oh, okay. Okay. No, I haven't, uh, I haven't seen him, but I've been all back and forth. I'm the principal. Okay. Been back and forth. Well, he said he was here yesterday. I got his Well, he was here yesterday. Okay. Yeah. I missed him last week, too. So maybe it's just bad timing. Okay. His bad timing, I should say. Yeah, well, he's, pretty, he's usually pretty consistent. Yeah, I got his attendance. It doesn't look bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Currently, the average probation officer in Akiyama's department handles between 40 and 80 kids at a time. And that number is expected to increase. On top of handling more youth, the probation department will be handling kids with more serious offenses. Akiyama says the increase in caseload will be a challenge, but he says his basic philosophy isn't going to change. Akiyama says he almost always starts with one fundamental question. What do you like to do for fun? Do you like to work on cars? Do you like to hang out with friends? Do you like to talk? Do you like to talk? Maybe you might be good at a radio station. Um, there's a community-based um, uh, organization called Youth Radio out in Berkeley, which actually takes kids on probation or not and will give them experience working the soundboard, doing interviews. Again, it really is a case-to-case -case basis, so we want to get the kid in here, figure out what they enjoy doing, where they are academically, and develop a case plan based on where they are.
Akiyama says that case plans include things like educational tutoring, job training, drug rehabilitation, and psychological counseling. He says it's his job to know all the different service providers. Once he gets to know a kid, then he can point him in the right direction. Akiyama says a lot of times that's all it takes. And that's where the department is going. We really are brokering a lot of our services to community based organizations that have.、Um, A lot more contacts that have a lot more experience and have the staff to really sit down with these kids, provide them with job opportunities, provide them with educational opportunities,、um, provide them with peer counseling.、Um, all these opportunities are available to them. They just didn't know they were, they were out there for them. One organization that has a long standing track record of working with local and state justice departments is the Mentoring Center in Oakland. It's 6 30 at night, and Mutu Bonisi is running a program called Fatherhood. He's addressing a group of about 20 young men. Everyone's had a full day, but Bonisi still commands their attention. Where are most of the dads? They're usually not in relationship with the mom very often. This being able to handle and be with your woman is serious business. Watch. If you don't practice at your age, being able to master and handle it, you're going to get to our age and can't. You got to leave your family. Like your dad, your uncle. You're only going to get. Bonisi says the mentoring center's philosophy is not only to teach life skills, but also to teach a sense of social responsibility. That way, these youth can be role models for their children and for their communities. Bonisi says of those who graduate from one of the mentoring center's programs, only 14% ever go back to prison. If I hadn't been through the mentoring center,、um, honestly, I really don't know where I'd be. I mean, because they've helped me and impacted me that much. Jaquin Scales first got involved with the mentoring center when he was 19 and still at CYA. After his release, Scales worked closely with the mentoring center for four years. During that time, Scales had a daughter and enrolled in the fatherhood program. And I worked very closely with them and I talked to other fathers because I was a new father. I really didn't know, know what to do. So that gave me the right guidance and the right tools to use so I could become that good dad. Now at age 25, Scales is making up for lost time. From 9 o'clock at night to 6 30 in the morning, Scales works as a data entry clerk in a warehouse. Then from 7 to noon, he goes to school at Laney College in Oakland. On top of that, twice a week, Scales works with Alameda County Social Services, helping to develop recruitment strategies for foster parents. Today, Scales' daughter and her mom live in Sacramento. Once a week, Scales makes the trip northeast to visit his daughter. I really try and stay in her life and get her to know who I am. You know, even though me and her mother aren't together, I still see her on a weekly basis and I still teach her things and talk to her and really bond with her like a father should. For Scales, it took a local community based program like the Mentoring Center to really change his life. And California hopes this formula can work for other young people in similar situations. But no one's promising a smooth ride. As Karen Pank, the executive director of California's chief probation officers, has said, Senate Bill 81 is going to be like changing the wheels on the bus while it's still in motion. Still, there's hope. A state like Missouri provides a good example of the change that's possible. It now has less than a 15% recidivism rate. But Missouri started its reforms in the 1970s. California's state legislature has approved a good deal of funding to get its own program rolling.
but it will take sustained support and patience to reform juvenile justice in California. For KLW News, I'm Joshua Emerson Smith. You can hear all of our stories and send us your comments and suggestions at KALW.org. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Holly Kernan. Support for this public radio podcast comes from Vanguard, offering investments designed to help individuals and institutions reach their long-term financial goals. 1-888-VANGUARD.